Hayden likes the story of a young couple that go camping for the weekend. I want to take my, my girlfriend away on a romantic holiday. At the same time, you know, sort of pop the question. The man's about to propose and it all gets ruined by these kids and it turns into a holiday from hell. I wanted to make a genre thriller, a film that scares people, that a white knuckle ride. This is actually a, a subject matter that is truly horrifying in the sense that it's real. It's an interesting uh, position to put characters in a story in dramatically. Because uh, it is, you know, particularly once you know you're watching a, a genre movie, it's like, oh, dude, don't do it. I think part of the interest in the film is, you, is people put themselves in the position of Steve and Jenny. I think, well, confronted by this, what would I do? It's like typical sort of male, you know, his ego gets sort of bruised and he feels like he has to sort of do something about it. Hey, guys. You turn your sounds down, mate. <laughs> I think most of us would think that in a similar situation, we'd want to stand up for our for our rights, for our girlfriend. The altercations escalate from that point onwards. Steve, where's the beach bag? It's got the car keys in it. Pancakes! No pancakes! Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. This week, Don't Go in the Woods. Wooded Ooh. horror is a, a large and important subgenre of horror. And this week has a lot of uh, through lines through the past few episodes. I was thinking that some of the films we've talked about recently, like In the Earth and Antichrist, even Gaia, Until Death Do Us Part, they all kind of also relate to these wooded horror movies. And I think that's like part of the fun to me of genre film like horror. You you have so many connections that even if you don't really realize it going in, you can like quickly start drawing lines between all of these different films. And they're all kind of playing on a lot of the same themes and a lot of the same ideas. So while we're talking about uh, not going in the woods, we're also still, I think, in a way, talking about some eco-horror. We're talking about, like, some marriage horror uh, and, and a lot of the stuff that we've just been talking about the whole way. So we have two selections this week that fall fully in the wooded horror realm. Kat, maybe you can tell us about the first film this week. One of the picks this week was Eli Roth's uh, 2002 cinematic adventure, Cabin Fever, which shows college friends Paul, Karen, Bert, Barry, and Jeff, who rent an isolated cabin in the woods to spend a week together after their finals. It's all fun and sexy teenage early 2000s games until they encounter a man contaminated with an unknown disease who asks them for help, but instead they panic and burn the man, who then falls into the water reservoir and dies. As the friends slowly ingest the water and the disease spreads among them, their true feelings and personalities emerge as they struggle to survive the virus and each other. Um, this is a bloody and fun little number. It's campy and humorous and then also really gory and also a bummer at times. It starts off as what seems to be a fun little uh, jaunt in the woods, I would say, amongst friends. Uh, minus the disemboweled dog part and 
also minus the um, homophobic slurs, mm. maybe. A lot um, of slurs in this. Many slurs. Many a slur. Um, many an, well, one an R word. There was a hard R word uh, right yep. off the bat. Also some hard R's coming out um, on the end of some N words as well. Um, it was a different time. Is that what we usually say when these things happen? Well, I think, oh. well, we can talk about, I mean, I think there are bad characters also. Yeah. They're they're just meant to be unlikable. Like and for a second you like, like someone minutes. and then you're like, ooh, that was a hard R. Didn't like that. Um, we do get to see some boobs pretty yeah. early on, uh, which is always nice. It's always uh, refreshing. Uh, then it turns into this gross and stressful story uh, that personally turns it turned my empathy up to 11, um, you know, asking yourself, what would I do if I were at risk of catching a deadly flesh eating disease? Would I be an asshole? Maybe. Hopefully I wouldn't murder anyone, but who knows? I've never caught a flesh eating disease. So only time will tell. Hopefully plenty Um, of time left. Can't wait. (laughs) Uh, either way, this is a fun one to revisit. Um, even though I'll always hate that, leg shaving scene oh man um the sound effects alone might be the worst part of this movie um especially when you watch the subtitles that are going on and you just see the word squelch over and over again um also who shaves their legs in a time like this like who is like you know what i need smooth legs absolutely self-care like ridiculous um hopefully you guys didn't hate this movie too much I liked this movie. Um, I thought it was great. I think from the time when it came out, it kind of opened the door for a bunch of these like mid-level horror that had a few actors maybe you recognized. Uh, like this one is a cast I did not recognize, but this like genre and this budget of horror movie, it's not quite like blockbuster, crazy you know, directors, because Eli Roth was not established. Now he's kind of a powerhouse as far as horror goes. But um, all the movies that we talk about, like Ready or Not or Becky, they all, to me, kind of fall in this mid-level. They're not like a trauma movie, but they're also not it. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I liked I liked this movie a lot. I I thought that it was interesting how... Like, what would you do if someone's turning? And that's always a question, like zombie movies. I just want you guys to know that if it were me and us in any kind of position or my mother, I'm jumping the gun and I'm going to make sure, <laughs> oh, like, oh, you got a little red spot in your eye. Let's just chop your head off Time to be to safe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just to be safe. You could always just leave. Oh, that was just a skin tag. Sorry, I murdered everyone. Oh. Um <laughs> I'm always ready. All, watching all these horror movies makes me constantly on edge. And I'm like, when am I going to have to murder someone? Eventually, somewhere in the woods or at the hillbilly uh, you know, store on the corner, something's going to come up and I'm going to have to murder someone. And I'm just going to short fuse. Um, I, I like this movie better. Like the second half, I thought, was a lot smarter than the first half. The first half, you kind of think it's going to be a straight up like friday the 13th kind of thing yeah um and it doesn't go quite as crazy as like cabin in the woods but uh there's a lot of different elements i like the element where the water is contaminated and they just show the Mm -hmm. water glass and people are trying to help everyone 
by being like, here, have a glass of water. Are you okay? And <laughs> you know that it's perpetuating this awful thing. And I also like how it comes back around where in the beginning, this crazy bloody guy comes up and they have no empathy whatsoever for him. And then as the movie devolves and the characters are dying off and getting sick and everything, they're like that same crazy heretic that's uh, trying to get people to help. And I also like, um, sometimes I don't like when movies, like it seems like they're never going to end. They have all these false endings. This movie kind of does that. Um, but I liked how they wrapped it all up. I definitely liked the second half or thought it was a little bit smarter. And like the special effects were a lot better in the second half. You actually had mm -hmm. some practical effects where in the first part, people were just kind of smeared in blood for like the first hour. So I'm wondering, I was wondering like, oh, this looks kind of low budget. But then second half really brought it home, especially yeah. for this era. I think this was uh, a great, uh, great horror movie and very influential. Man, I'm so glad we got to see this movie this week because I hadn't seen this uh, since like right around when it came out. I, I, I think I saw it like shortly after it was released on DVD and I didn't like it at all. I didn't get it. It's taken me 20 years and I think I even saw it again. I think I might have seen it twice and I was like, I don't get this. Why does anyone care about this movie? But this time around, I really loved it. This is, I think it's like very original. There, it, As much as it like pays tribute and it does all these homages which we can get into to other horror movies that are like pretty some some are more obvious than others but i still think there really isn't another movie of it's certainly of its time or even of this time that is anything really quite like cabin fever it's it's very different and that that can i think can work both ways there are in some ways it's like different and it's not great but I just I appreciated the originality of this and I think I had seen this after I had seen Hostel and Hostel 2 which were the subsequent films by Eli Roth this was his first this was his debut he wrote this he directed it or he co-wrote it and directed it and he produced this as well this is like a, a 1.5 million dollar budget and made like 30 million dollars so he kind of I can see now more why People like Peter Jackson and Quentin Tarantino were excited about this movie. It makes much more sense to me now with, you know, 20 years of hindsight why that is. I think it plays with so many tropes. And like Dave said at first, you think it's going to be like a traditional uh, slasher. We're back to the stabbing cabin uh, where we were last week with Antichrist. But it's, it's nothing like a slasher. It's totally different than that. And I really, really liked that kind of like subversion of expectation, even if I think it causes the first half to be maybe a little bit slower than I would have liked. It's not, I think it's not as funny as it wants to be. But, you know, it, it's it's a first-time um, feature from, from a, a first-time feature director. So I let that slide because I just, I liked where it went from there. As soon as I heard the song, The Road Leads to Nowhere, which was written for Last House on the Left, in which we heard in that movie, I was like, oh, okay, there's, there's a little more on this movie's mind. It's not as dumb, uh, I think, as it seems on the surface. And we've talked about, when we talked about Hostel, 
Eli Roth's well-established thing now is he makes characters that you don't like. There's nobody to sympathize mm-hmm. with. There's nobody that's like, that's you. They're like, you kind of hate everyone. And he, you know, puts them uh, in the pot and you watch it boil. And he does his commentary through that. Um, it's almost kind of hateful, which is kind of weird. Like, usually there's at least one person in a movie that you can identify with and, and like, but he never does that. All of his movies are just like terrible characters getting what's coming to them. So I thought this was great. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of this now. So I'm really happy that we watched this. I've loved this movie ever since it came out. You know, when all the advertising was happening that, you know, Peter Jackson loved it. Like, oh my God, he stopped the Lord of the Rings production twice to screen this for the cast and crew. That must have been a fucking <laughs> yeah, trip. Right. I was like, I'm in. And they were like, total throwback to like 80s horror. He's bringing, bringing the genre back. I, I, I didn't necessarily agree with all that at the time, but I did see this in theaters. And so we all remember a little club called The Big Easy that our friends, mm. the, o, the O'Brien brothers, used to own. So here I am in 2002, I'm guessing, and I get a phone call. And it's the O'Brien brothers and a bunch of other mutual friends of ours. And they're like, Kevin, we want to go see a horror movie, but like Cabin Fever is the only one in theaters. <laughs> what do you think? And I was like, hey, don't take my advice because I'm like a hardcore horror fan. So like, I'm just going to tell you I love every horror movie. They're like, well, whatever. Did you like it? And I was like, yes, I loved it. I get a call about two and a half hours later. I am banned from the Big Easy for a week because (laughs) they hated the fucking movie so much. So I am no longer allowed in our favorite bar. Um, But look, everything Trent said pretty much echoes my take other than not liking it initially. I think this is great. Uh, you're right, Trent. Like, Roth makes characters that you don't like. And when you... Th- I, I knew that you were going to have that take, and I was like, okay, but isn't Karen likable? Not really. No. Like, she mm-hmm. like totally, really. totally fucks with Paul. Uh, she has the whole, like, barrel roll off the dock after they kiss, which... I got like super uh, creep show vibes. The raft Me too. Yeah, from yeah. like the overhead shot of that was really yeah. good. I was waiting for like the goo to like pull her face in. And she just like, he's like, are we on a date? And he's just so vulnerable. And she's like, don't be gay. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very <laughs> early odds. Very you, you just early odds. Yeah, you, it's, yeah, when you pick apart each character, it's like everybody should die. And mm-hmm. we really, <laughs> to really drive home Trent's point, Eli Roth himself is in the movie, and you can't wait for his character to die. Oh. <laughs> Even though he does have maybe the greatest line in the movie, which is introduces his dog, Dr. Mambo, and one of them is like, oh, what is he, a doctor or like a professor? He's like, yeah, he's a professor of being a dog. Ooh, faced. <laughs> but awesome. no, I mean, all things aside, uh, I, like, I, I like Dave's take on like splitting the movie in half. Because the first half, it, it, it does get kind of derivative, but he is. He's throwing out the, the Last House on the Left song. He's literally telling you, like, here's every single movie I'm paying homage to. It's a cabin in the woods. We've got Evil Dead. All of this. And the back half is fucking bonkers. And the effects are great. And I was really surprised. I'd never dug into this movie. I was shocked to find out that Howard Berger, who we just talked about on Till Dust, from Dust Till Dawn, who has done tons of effects, and Robert Kurtzman and Greg Nicotero were involved in this movie. So Eli Roth had like some friends in high places for like mm. very young in his career. 
Uh, I was also shocked, like you said, Trent, this was a million and a half budget, 31 million at the box office from Lionsgate. This is when Lionsgate was a baby. Like this was the, the, the dawn of Lionsgate. Eli Roth had been writing this since 1995. The co-writer that he, he credits was just his college roommate. And all he did was bounce his short treatment off this guy to be like, help me flesh this into a full-length story. And then Roth would go on to do him a solid and give him a co-writing credit on it. But nobody would touch this movie in 95 because horror was dead. And then Scream happened in 1996. Uh, and it, it premiered at TIFF and Lionsgate, like I said, was a fledgling company. They bought it for $3.5 million. So it's shocking. All of you guys just said everything right. Like this... This did help mid-level horror. It launched a lot of people into things. And Dave, to your comment, the actors that you don't know, fuck you because Ryder Strong from yes. Boy Meets mm. World is in <laughs> this movie. In this Boy Meets World. I have World. no idea what Boy Meets World Boy is. Meets I, World. Um, I think the scariest part of this movie was Eli Roth's uh, soul patch. Yes. Oh yes. my God. That could only have happened in two thousand. So early two thousands. Yeah. 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 Like, that's yeah. He yeah. walked right out of like a Lincoln Park music video yes. into oh, that movie. It just like flowed in the wind. It was like talking to us while he was talking. It was just a lot. The movies that are that take place in the woods, they all remind me of each other. I mean, yeah. in a weird way. Even like this reminded me of Zombievers. Yes. Oh, yeah. Great call. Yes, I have. Dave. Dave, this reminded me of the mutilator. Okay. Yeah, because the kid's going out to the cabin. Yeah, or the you know the cottage versus the cabin. This was eco horror. Also, it was it was both in the earth and also Antichrist Mm. in some ways. And we're you know, nothing is really Antichrist. Yeah, but they're at the stabbing cabin. That's true. Also, Kat, when you were when you were doing your opening synopsis, I hate to bring this up, but you mentioned that Paul, Karen. Bert and Jeff went to the cabin. Mm-hmm. You forgot. You forgot Marcy. You forgot the boobs. Oh, I forgot the boobs. Oh, bummer. Well, you know, maybe I had my mind on other things. She she has the, the scene. Boobs. She has the most questionable scenes in the movie. Like when shit starts oh. going bad, she is just like, okay. So let's talk about this. Like she tells this weird story about like when you're on a plane and you're about to crash and everyone's freaking mm-hmm. out. Don't you just want to like grab the person next to you and fuck their brains out because you know you're gonna die? <laughs> yes. yes. Which then, which then happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's disaster, then, disaster sex. That's a. I know all about it. Sure. That's a genre. You do yeah. like from experience, Trent. You yeah, because when death? whenever people are are like in in heightened emotional uh, states, whether it's like a funeral or a plane that's going down, or or you're in a cabin and everyone is dying from a disease. Whenever you're like that heightened. In, in survival, your instinct is to to propagate, and so that mm-hmm. that's when people it like just like she said, it doesn't matter. Just grab the next person. That's it. Gotta make more people. Yeah, yeah. When I was racking my brain thinking about which character was the least terrible, she was my number one pick. She didn't mm. murder anyone. True. She was you know adventurous in her sexual uh, desires, if you will. <sighs> She made chili. Um, great boobs. Also, uh, she, uh, uh, that's all I got. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying least terrible. I'm saying most questionable actions. Although, I will roll back a little bit because she is also the one that's like, "Fuck you, Bert and Jeff. You guys are being idiots. I'm gonna go try to find help." Yeah. Uh, she does find the gun 
or, or, or used the gun properly, unlike any of the dudes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is an interest. It's an interesting cast. Also, I just find it weird that you're writing a feature length movie and you name your main characters Paul, Karen, Bert, Marcy, and Jeff. Or maybe again, that was Roth being generic and just being like, "I'm going to bring this back." Because if this wasn't an if this was an '80s teen romper movie, their names would have been Paul, Karen, Bert, Marcy, and Jeff. They're, yeah, the sexy girl that you're talking about has an exact replica character from the Mutilator. There's that girl that dies in the swimming pool in the Mutilator. She reminded me so much of this girl. There's always like that one wild girl, the girl in cabin in the woods it's like licking the the hog that's on the wall you know what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about making the out with the hog there's always the wild wild one i feel like yeah. they're they're all chads and karens today mm. you know yeah, that was right. kind of yeah. like his way of doing the chads and the karens i love that marcy speaking of cat you talked about like uh, shaving one's legs in the middle of all this marcy decides to make chili like what what she just makes chili in the middle of like everyone dying Listen, <laughs> gruesome deaths. sometimes you gotta you know you're trying to bring some comfort no, food into the situation no. there was so much later. hamburger being protein. thrown around in the second half of the film that maybe someone needed to make some chili with it i'm with you cat we're gonna make chili fuck yeah dave well everyone Thank will already you. be dead because i'm gonna kill them preemptively as soon as they so we'll just be chilling eating chili Winston, the cop, the sheriff's deputy, classic yes. 80s, oh my classic yes. 80s horror, like bumbling. He was not even convincing. I, you know, that uh, my only complaint about him is that no deputy has that hair. Like when you're doing a cop in a movie, <laughs> cops cut their hair short. Cops don't have like long hair. I know he's supposed to be like the redheaded stepson type deputy idiot guy, but still they could have given him a haircut would have been a little bit more realistic, but that that's like classic 80s stuff. You have like the worst cops in this movie that are just either bumbling or malicious or both. Yeah, don't don't worry, Trent. I'm not going to harsh on your take because you're the party man. The party like, man. Just, just keep he was good. Just I like the party character. Party on with your take, okay, Trent? I'm not going to harsh on that. <laughs> no, I, I actually really like the cop. His dialogue he when he was like, yeah, I'm still looking for that underage party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have it It's it. great. Giuseppe Andrews. Uh, do you guys remember him from, well, he's in the sequel, but he was in 2001 Maniacs. And does anyone love Detroit Rock City as much as I do? <gasps> That's what he's from. Oh, I was trying to figure it out. That's exactly what I know him from. Man, the only character that didn't die that I really wished had. Ah, well, I think if I recall the, I think Lucky McKee did the sequel, right? Did Cabin Fever 2? He comes back and I'm pretty sure he gets it. Wait, did he? I think he took his name off. I think the, the sequel was a... A, a subject of some like conflict. I, I, well, they could still hire the same actors, though, even if it wasn't um, Adam Weingard. I thought it was. I mean, I'll look it up while you guys continue. Well, maybe the yeah, maybe some guys that have a podcast about this would know the answer to that. Not me. I'm more of the hot take um, part of the podcast. I just like the name Ryder Strong. That's the real. Uh, uh, that's is. a real name. That would be a great name to grow up with, Ryder Strong. You know, R I D E R, just like it sounds. I don't think strong it would work rider. right now. I think that it's too. No, it's no. Too, uh, alpha and too. Yeah, like, yeah. 
But I would have have liked to have been named Ryder Strong when I was a kid instead of Trent Gay. You know, I, I'd like, <laughs> that, that's I like would the way antithesis. rather have been Ryder Strong. You well, know? Maybe maybe I would have played sports or something, not you know been bullied and stuff. You know, horror <laughs> <laughs> movie podcast. Um, so <laughs> h- hold on. Cabin Fever 2 was directed by Ty West. Oh, but he took his name off it. Okay, that's where we're we're halfway, we were each halfway right. <laughs> I think, Trent, I think you and I have had a text debate about this before. We really probably should have this down. Uh, speaking of <laughs> yeah, right, we do, speaking a, we of do a horror strong. movie podcast. Might want to look into some of these details before we eh, start. You know, that's yeah. what Google's for. Um, Ryder Strong was, was coming off Boy Meets World which obviously had a very huge fan base. So there was one day, there's a great story where one day he was doing a take after take of a scene where he's just covered in blood. And he was exhausted and decided to go for a walk in the woods, thinking we're out in the middle of nowhere, so I'll go for a walk in the woods. He comes across a field trip for an all-girls school where 37 schoolgirls see him covered in blood, wandering by himself in the woods, and they all start screaming in terror. So he's immediately like, holy shit, this is terrible. Then they realize that he is the guy from Boy Meets World, and they start screaming in joy and coming after him. <laughs> so he has to, make his, yeah, has to make his way back to the set and basically promise like Eli Roth, like, yeah, I won't wander off again. Yeah, I'd be more attractive, or I'd I'd be more attracted to him if I saw him covered in blood than just as your average little Sean Hunter, to be honest. I don't know if it's from watching so many horror movies, but that is also a look that I have grown to uh, to be attracted to is the girl covered in mud with like and blood and like one broken heel escaping. Like mm-hmm. that's a look. It's a vibe. Next movie, sure. I've got it. Yeah, next movie is like the ultimate example of that. Did anybody notice Eli Roth's brother in this? No, because no, I don't know who like. the fuck Eli Roth's brother is. The bald, the bald um, bowling oh, guy. Oh, the bald happy guy. I think I read that. The yeah. bald... Oh, I thought that was just Eli Roth. So did I. He just played yeah. two roles back to back. So did I. Was I. Like, I thought a he was lazy the cheech, the, for your yeah. cameos. I thought he was yeah. the Cheech of this week. No, that's his brother <laughs> as the bald uh, bowling guy. Cheech of the week, our new segment. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who plays more than one role. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that Eli, Eli Roth will pop up in his, his movies. Like, that's a total, that's another homage. That's like Hitchcock showing up in a scene. Stephen King is famous yeah. for doing that. Like, it's another, like, Eli Roth just being hardcore horror. Um, but one of my favorite parts of the movie, and it makes no sense, is the bowling alley story that yeah. they tell around the fire. Yeah. Well, that's that's I the scary. That. No, that's the scary uh, campfire story. To me, that's that's a trope. There's always a scary campfire story, and it's usually like a shaggy dog story. It doesn't usually have anything to do with anything that actually happens, but that's just something you have in the movie. No, but I love I love the production value of the cutaway scenes as he's telling the story. Right. That it was just so like raw, black background. Yeah. Like just floodlight on like the characters like i thought that was really it was almost a film within a film level yeah right yeah and the whole thing's based on a true story out of boston so not too far from us oh wow so in 1980 a guy named brian dyer he killed four employees of a bowling alley he was sentenced to four life sentences died in prison only back in 2011 
And it took place at Sammy White's Brighton Bowl in Brighton, Mass., named after mm. uh, and owned by former Red Sox catcher Sammy White. I think I've Closed been there. in 1986, and Dyer worked there in 73. I thought that Karen was, like, remarkably docile about being put in the shed as soon as she comes down sick she seems to she doesn't put up any fight like we're just gonna lock you in the shed now karen uh karen's we, hate quarantine <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> <laughs> she didn't put up like any she fight whatsoever she just like accepted her fate so readily and so so listlessly well if you had asked her to wear a mask it would have been a lot different <laughs> <laughs> she had some twang there was that moment when she was just like guess i'll just like stay in the shed. Guess I'll you know blah 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 blah. And we're like, look at you. Your leg is decaying. Do you guys not reckon? Well, I, yes, cat. Like by the time she gets to the shed, she's in pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. They've shown that she's already thrown up all over the bed. Yeah. Rider Rider Strong or Paul has like some serious not sexy time. Yeah, and it's time mm. for Karen to go so to the gross. shed. I love but that. Do reveal. you guys not? As she's played by Jordan Ladd. Do you not remember what we just saw her in? Mm. Speaking oh, yeah. of boobs, Cat, you Jordan must know this. Ladd. Oh yeah, Club Dread, brah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was a great reveal. I I loved that whole scene where they go from you know instead of like the sex scene into the like double spear scene or something like that, they go mm-hmm. to like horrific disease rash. Oh my god, squelch, 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 squelch. squelch. The uh, the hillbillies death scene that happened like earlier when we talk about the all the racial slurs and the homophobic whatever at the the country store or whatever yes that yes. all went down in like a minute and a half all the slurs came out but then their demise also all happened like boom 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 like they all just mm-hmm. I like that sequence when they all died um, the the most 2002 thing about this whole movie which is very is 2002 what you're talking about at the country store with the slurs that's brought back around in the story at the end oh and God. it's like oh yeah that's just his buddies like that was so weird oh my that, God that, that could only you happen use in hard R's with your buddies <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, it was also kind of like the beginning of Dust Till Dawn with the sheriff and the clerk. Yes, yes. Uh, Definitely some deliverance homage in this. And we talked about Mm -hmm. maybe uh, we we were, deliverance was one of the movies that we were going to talk about this week. And we decided to wait and call that hillbilly horror. But this really, (laughs) this could have gone either way. But there were definitely like little Dennis, the kid. At the beginning was definitely the kid from Deliverance with a banjo, and there's even some banjo music in this later. I, I felt like that was very intentional. I loved where later in the movie they do put the sign up, do not sit next to Dennis. That was yeah. pretty funny. I, <laughs> was I was funny. looking forward to seeing... They're like, you should put a sign up yeah. to tell people not to sit next to him, and then the next time you see it, there's a sign. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they can learn. They know. They're trying. They're not like just trying to be shitty you know, hillbilly people. I think if we get to do another camping episode, we need to pick uh, which two of us are going to decide that we're just going to drink beer all weekend. If everyone which, had drank w- w- beer which all I weekend. Thought, I thought that that was a great, yes. like, bro college horror movie moment that yep. fit perfectly in the plot yes. with how it saved certain characters. Yeah, so there's a point where there's like a, a bet, like who can drink beer only all weekend. You can't have water, you can't have milk, no coffee, just beer. And it turned, if everybody had just done that, 
everybody would have been fine. So that I, I guess that's the main lesson from this. Don't drink water. <laughs> Did you yes. stop drinking water? Twisted tea only all oh, weekend. God, caffeine. Um, did you guys know that Dennis, who we're talking about, who is the kid that, again, another great thing where he bites somebody at the beginning of the movie, bites somebody at the end. They have very different consequences. Yes. But that kid really did know karate. I, I figured and that. You can tell. And Roth yeah. Roth didn't know that until he saw him doing karate, like <laughs> in between takes. And the whole karate and pancake scene was just like impromptu. Like, let's make sure that this this actor can show off his karate skills. Again, I thought that was hilarious. I was wondering that. I was like, wait a minute. They, this kid actually, in real life, knew karate to do this scene. That was so good. And my favorite was like... You got your blood in my kid's mouth. It made him sick. Like, this yeah. is on you. Like, don't. This is free, like, on all the ad-supported sites right now, like Tubi, Voodoo with ads. Like, you can, this is a very easy one to see. If you don't want to rent it, you can rent it also. But um, if, if you want to just, like, put something on that's maybe a little bit lighter, in my opinion, and you don't mind some ads, uh, Cabin Fever is a no-brainer. Wait, trivia. Go. Bert was wearing a shirt. At one point in the movie, we didn't talk about Bird enough, but who cares? His shirt said, ripe on 6-13-04. Yes. What does that date signify? I was wondering. I figured it had to mean something. The date that Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen turned 18. Oh, my God. Fuck off. Bert is the worst character ever. Oh, my God. I hate him. A 2008 British film called Eden Lake. This is written and directed by James Watkins, who made a horror movie that I've never seen with Daniel Ratcliffe called The Woman in Black. Anybody seen that? It's not bad. It's not no. bad. I started watching. It's a little slow. That's it about, is slow. That seems about the, like, the extent of his, at least as a director, what he's done. Um, this is a rental right now. Um, but, you know, widely available. And I was surprised to be back in Eden so quickly after oh. last week. So we went to we went to the cabin in Eden last week. Now we are going to Eden Lake. This is the story of Jenny and Steve. They are a youngish, not like uh, not terribly young. They're like young, middle aged couple. They're not married yet, but they're on the way. And they decide to take a holiday up to Eden Lake, which is this very picturesque, very undeveloped wilderness where uh, people can go and get away from it all in the city. But it's about to be turned into, I guess, like waterfront, uh, lakefront condos and camp houses for rich people or affluent 
up and coming people like them. It's like by and for them, which is, I think, one of the many interesting things about this movie. And I think it relates to Cabin Fever a little bit. At one point, Steve even says we should go to Eden Lake before it's totally developed. But like there are the people that are developing it and it's being developed for them. But they decide they want to get uh, to get out there before all the condos and the, and the, and the cabins go up. And they set up their little love nest on the beach. They've got a tent. They're really roughing it. And uh, they are confronted by a bunch of local hooligans, a bunch of uh, young ruffians, like teenage kids, show up on the beach. And they're playing loud music. And they have a, an obnoxious Rottweiler who is you know, getting a little bit wild. And they're kind of disturbing the tranquility of uh, Steve and Jenny's little vacation here. And, of course, Steve can't help but confront the young ruffians, the local hooligans. I guess this is like, this is kind of considered like hoodie horror. If you're if following like British horror movies from this time, from 2008, I would actually compare it to the French movie Them. I think it's very similar mm. where you have this confrontation between the upscale like Metro people and the like MAGA people. And we can get to the, the leader of the ruffians actually is wearing a Proud Boy shirt. Did anybody notice the Proud <gasps> Boy shirt? I did. I did not. Brett was wearing one. Yes, that the what, the shirt that Brett was wearing. That's the Proud Boys uniform now, with with the black shirt, with the gold, with the yellow um, collar, and the little thing on it. So this movie was way ahead of its time as far as setting up this confrontation. So Steve asks them to turn it down and get control of their dog, uh, even though they're. I mean, really, nothing is happening here. They're just kind of annoying. But Steve feels ownership of this beach that he can tell people what to do out there. And that sets up this like whole escalating series of confrontations between them. And uh, obviously that goes nowhere good, leads to a lot of death and, uh, and torture and great things like that that we always talk mm-hmm. about. Um, I love this movie. I think this is a very efficient, very uh, well-paced, very brutal, very bleak uh, and very kind of uh, dark film. Uh, but I'm a, I was a big fan of this. The first time I saw it, you have Michael uh, Fassbender plays mm. Steve, who I you know I, I know he's done a lot of stuff, not stuff that I've been interested in, but he's been in like he was in 300. He's been in X-Men movies. Um, you would know probably if you're into more things than a horror, you'd know Michael Fassbender. And also Kelly Riley is in this, who has also done a lot of stuff. She did a horror movie uh, just in 2019 called Eli, which I haven't seen. She would be my mommy of the week. Mm. But I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of this movie. I think this movie has more to say than Cabin Fever. And I think that it's interesting. This was you know well over 10 years ago. I think it's interesting how much uh, of the stuff that's going on in this movie is like even more relevant now to American sort of like culture war and politics than, than it, it would have seemed at the time. So I, I love this one. I don't know if you guys had seen this before. I sure had. And I didn't enjoy visiting it again. Not because it's not an unbelievable movie, because I don't need reasons to ruin my day even more. <laughs> <laughs> and this movie ruins your fucking day. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would recommend this movie a hundred times out of a hundred with the disclaimer to the person I was recommending it to. If you're not in a good spot, maybe don't watch this. Like, show me your hope meter. Where's your hope meter in your life? Is it low? Man. Then don't, don't watch this movie. When it's a little, when it's a little more full... Watch Eden Lake. It's a great pick. 
Like when you feel super hopeful about how the day's going or your life's going, watch this movie. But yeah, this is amazing. Uh, I don't Trent, like you said, like this guy did like the Woman in Black. He did Black Mirror episode, Shut Up yes. and Dance. Right, right. Uh, he was a writer and co-director, or at least second camera on The Descent Two. I'm surprised we haven't seen more from him. Like his filmography and even in TV is is not as vast as I thought it would be for making a movie like Eden Lake. This is intense. It's so beautifully done. It's so well acted. Uh, you mentioned Michael Fassbender. Well, Trent, he has been in our genre because he was in Prometheus and Alien Covenant. Yes, right, right. But Kelly Riley, she has a huge filmography. Yeah. But out of everything, like Sherlock Holmes and so much British uh, film and TV, this was a big performance for her. Like she's the star of this movie. Oh yeah, mommy. I don't, of the I week don't care who, who Fassbender is. Uh, and this this guy Jack O'Connell that plays Brett. Uh, again, tons of British things. Holy shit. Those are the only three characters you really need to know. They all give brilliant performances, but the way they start this, like, I think that genre fans could sometimes be like, okay, this movie's starting slow and it's kind of cute, but it's really smart character development between Jenny and Steve. And the, just the subtle hints they give you at Steve's background why he's going to Eden Lake, to the quarry, as Jenny puts it. Like, you know, well, so-and-so is taking, uh, you know, so-and-so's fiancé is taking her to, like, Italy or whatever, and you're taking me to a quarry. And then when you, when you get to the town, it's so subtle how they start to show you just the classism and the difference yes. and the gentrification. It's yes. really, really, that in itself is just as terrifying as the actual horror that they would then show you later in the movie. And when the horror gets going, holy shit, the movie has brilliantly wound up your nerves to like, okay, Steve, can you not go over and talk to the kids? Can you not go do this? Can you not go sneak into the kid's house and try, like, like all of this stuff happens before, like, the real horror starts that that Watkins has wound you up so tight that everything that happens after that is like tenfold in terms of impact. And in terms of just a movie from start to finish, it, this reminded me of funny games. Yes. In terms Definitely. of hope. In yeah. terms of keep giving me a little bit of hope and stripping it away. Uh, but I don't know. This this is a tough one to talk about. I want I want to get around the table before we like really dig in. Um, but again, like I said, I'd recommend this 100 times out of 100, but I would definitely check your current mental health before you dive into Eden Lake. It's funny you say that, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I hated this movie. <laughs> Big shocker, I'm sure. Uh, not because I think it was a bad film, because I think um, it definitely did what it set out to do and it was well executed in that way i was just so uncomfortable and stressed out the entire time yeah. just like kevin said i would be absolutely my social anxiety kicked in and it's like <laughs> i was just watching like the office like times a thousand like just terrible social encounters for the first half of the movie and then terrible Horrible acts committed by sociopathic teens for the other half. 
Um, a lot of uncomfortable gore for me in this one. A lot of mental torment via this weird woodsy cat and mouse game that this teen had going on. Um, there was this weird bad parenting foreshadowing. Like, if I, a latchkey kid, were a sociopath and decided to just, like, go off the rails from there instead of just, like, making myself ramen and watching TV for the night, like, hey, why don't I torture someone in the woods instead? Like, who would have stopped me? No one. Not my mom. She was working two jobs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just a lot, I would say. Um, I was excited to watch Daddy Fassbender this week, but then his character was just terrible. Not only is he dismissive of his girlfriend wanting to be fiance's concerns about all of the terrible ideas and situations that he puts him in, but it was his fear of not being masculine enough Yes, yes. to fight for her honor that leads to literally all of these problems. Yes. Yes, I will admit that she kind of kickstarted it a little by being like, oh, what are you, a mouse or a man? You won't go tell these people to be quiet in this shitty hotel where they've already like side-eyed you and like mean-mugged you the whole time. What, are you not going to go tell them to be quiet? No, of course not. Why would I do something like that? You shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. But he takes that comment and then he takes that toxic masculinity and just fucking runs with it for the rest of the film. Um, and it's not only him, the shitty evil kid obviously has these same issues. So he's an evil little boy who's growing up to be an evil man, just like we see his father to be in this film. So a lot of that going on. Um, so yeah, fuck this movie. I hated it. They did a great job making it, but fuck it. I know it's horror movies that we love it's a horror podcast that we have, and it's not all fun and somewhat, quote unquote, good endings, but oh. 10 out of 10, oh. no thank you, please, would <laughs> not watch 10, this no film you, ever again. Thank you. Um, I think we all may be experiencing this movie from uh, different perspectives based on our social standings. I'm feeling like for the first time there may be some sort of uh, class or generational rift here because I found this to be an uplifting working class coming of age story. Uh, uh, But, you know, it is interesting, though, that it does have that same like kind of spin on it if you just looked at it in another way, almost the way that Dale and Tucker like looks at uh, the tropes mm-hmm. of the hillbillies or, or like Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre is yes. all about classism. You can turn yes. it around and talk about how the town is being gentrified and deteriorating and people are losing jobs and people are desperate. Um, that does not, you know, these guys are clearly bad people but i like that that's in there too um just to make you conflicted i feel like this movie like the reason why you have that adverse response to it is because it like affects you because you even feel the fear of the kids like we've all been kids i'm scared of kids oh yeah like when you're a kid and you're in too deep you know what i mean and there's like no turning back that fear being in the movie because you know like what 
you might have done when you were a kid and you're in the middle of the woods and you're like, oh my God, my parents are going to kill me. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we said that the other day. We saw some like little rich d bag walking down the street, and you said that guy's going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> and I said the last thing he's going to say before he kills us is, "My parents are going to kill me." <laughs> Scream! But these, yeah, but these guys, these guys are like you talk <laughs> about, talk about hostile. This is very much like the the gangs of the little kids in Hostel, yeah. and I like it because they have this strength in numbers, um, and this. The leader of what's his name, Brent? Brent, yeah. Yeah. Brent. He's yeah. He really like does a very good job, the guy who who acts in this. Yes. Um, yes. And they and I after watching this so many times, this is one of my favorite movies, I'll put it out there. That um favorite? each Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Uh because of the way it winds you up before and the way that it gives you an emotional response and you feel like in a totally different place after you watch it. Like mm. it's changed some weird thing in your brain. Um, but there's so many times after I watched it, even this time where there's a weird part of me that's like, Oh, maybe they'll get away. Yeah. The Jeep's right there and they're mm. just going to get that. They're going to get away this the time. Titanic the sixth, effect. seventh time I've watched this movie. Um, but I also disagree with you, Kat, about the uh, too much toxic masculinity. I felt there should be more in this particular case. If you're going to go there and you're going to confront the bully kids, you need to start killing kids like right away. <laughs> you know he tried I mean? like, and he killed a like, dog yeah, instead. Puffing out your chest and like whatever. As soon as they threw the sand at me, most of them <laughs> would have been dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't. You can't mess with it. You're in the middle of the woods. Like, it's just you to take care of you. You can't get to a hospital. The police can't get to you. No one's going to wander up. This You got to kill them. Right well, <laughs> I mean, I agree with Dave. Dog gets the it way, first. <laughs> yeah. Rottweiler Not gets killing it. the kids in the way that it winds you up. But I agree. I, I would like to challenge the toxic masculinity thing because another good thing this movie does is it presents Steve with a number of opportunities to do things that I think we all currently still question in society when they first get to the town, which, you know, there's no flashbacks of why Steve is beholden to this part of the world. And there's no flashbacks as to the current town residents. I think that works brilliantly in this movie. But when they get there, you know, they have this like run in with this kid that's like losing his mind. And, you know, I think one of them makes the comment like, Jesus, shouldn't like, you know, someone get that kid under control. And then the parent walks up and just fucking slaps yeah. the kid. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that. Yeah. And then they both go quiet. So it's like, I mean, that might have been the moment that maybe you should have been like, hey, maybe you don't hit your kid in public. Or maybe you're like, ah, we're not in the right spot. There's a number of those scenes and a number of those moments like when they're in the room and they can still hear people yelling at each other and she's like, shouldn't you go out there? And like, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think that's like, I'm going to question and maybe I'm like, this could be a very big teaching moment for me, <laughs> a very big learning moment. Uh, I don't think that's necessarily toxic masculinity. I think that Steve was like almost like building up to this. And then was finally at this moment where he was like, fuck these kids. Like, they're now actually bothering 
you know, my girlfriend bothering Jenny, and I'm just going to go say something to them. I think that's like kind of normal. I f- I can picture myself in that moment where it's like there's a bunch of kids, they're bothering my wife. I'm just going to go say, "Hey guys, like maybe turn down your like punk Never rock do music that. and keep your rock Don't wild. do it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this movie has definitely made me question that. Um but but I but I understand like prior to being stalked and and tortured by a bunch of teenagers, I would have felt that way. I, I have a very similar story, or I could have gotten myself into a situation like this, and in a way, maybe I did, and I just escaped in time. But I was uh, with my mom, and we were at her mom's house with my mom, picking up my daughter to go out, or dropping her off for the day. A kid knocks on the door and says, help, quick. They're, they're going to kill my friend. They have him in the woods. They're going to beat, they're beating him up. They're going to kill him. And so, you know, her, her mom closes the door and says, oh, those crazy kids, they're just playing, whatever. Uh, we don't want to get in their business, basically. And we were, we agreed. And they're like, well, uh, we should be going now. And as soon as we get outside, me and my mom looked at each other and we're like, let's go save those kids. My mom goes to the car. She's like, I have pepper spray. She takes it out, opens it pepper sprays herself in the face immediately (laughs) so i have to go into the woods alone and i go into the woods and i see the kids down at the bottom of this little like gully and sure enough they got one kid he's on the ground and i'm just like get out of there i'll kill you guys and that luckily they ran away but i could have been in the same situation as this guy and i wonder in in eden lake if he wasn't toxically masculine at all and they just minded their own business, they probably yes. still would have been messed with. So, like, they were testing him. They were testing here's, him. They had, like... Here's what I think. Kevin, I don't disagree with you all the way, but... Okay, good. The but way he reacted preach. was very passive in every way, like, just, like, you know get into the hotel and like you know trying to pull into that spot and then that person takes it and he's like oh whatever and he gets all huffy but then like you know drives away he doesn't like confront this person then like you know when they're at the table and then the kid gets smacked and he's like oh you know he's very passive and like doesn't do anything and then when they're in the hotel room like you said and they're being loud and like obviously there's some domestic violence happening he doesn't say anything blah blah and it isn't until she drops her comment about whether he's a quote unquote mouse or a man that he decides, well, I'm a man. I'm not a mouse. Right. I'm going to take care of this. That's when it kicks that in. And he then is like, well, I got to be a man and I got to do this. I'm going right. to tell these kids what's what. Little okay. does he know he's getting in over his head with these sociopathic teens Obviously, you don't. You think you're just going to tell them off, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, Mister. Oh, sorry, my dog." Uh, <laughs> okay, you know, I so uh, slobbered on yeah, you. Yeah, they're poor. You know what I mean? Just tell like, them what they can do. Because there was that moment. Can. Yeah, there was that moment when he was in the water. You know, doing his little weird scuba shit. What? Um, just like floating around. <laughs> he's scuba um, diving at a lake. <laughs> just scubaing. Why not? Um, he's like a. Quarry. He's just, and then he like you know breaks the water, and he sees that you know she's still getting you know. 
harassed. A, not attacked. That's the wrong word. But harassed. like annoyed by this dog who's like barking and, you know, being all, like a little tough dog at her. And he's like, and you see that click in his brain where he's like, well, I got I to gotta be the man now. I'm a man. Exactly. I'm not a mouse. So I think, I yes, thank you. I prefer this is This is the learning moment I wanted. So when I'm saying the movie's winding you up, just tension-wise, as a viewer, from a toxic masculinity standpoint, you're saying he like we we have this in us inherently because of the way that we have been portrayed or raised as men. And even though Steve was probably a good dude, he had this in him inherently. And it just took that many moments and triggers for the for the switch to flip. Literally, and for him murder to by a thousand like, cuts. No, I, I, so Steve probably didn't even know he had this in him. Maybe, maybe not. Again, I'm totally mansplaining here. But what you're saying, Kat, is no. Toxic masculinity is a subconscious thing, and it, he was finally woken up to it just based on this series of events. Okay, I want to mm-hmm. get in on this because I think it's not so much uh, the toxic masculinity, but that, that comes into it in their, their relationship. As you guys have pointed out, he's already feeling like insecure now. But to me, the point of this movie, and, and I want to tie it into some of the reception at the time of this film, the point is just because you have more money and you're better looking and you're more educated, that doesn't mean that you get to go to a public beach and tell other people what to do. That's what they do in this movie. That's their sin in Eden, in my opinion, that they commit. Okay, the kids are being loud, whatever. The dog doesn't do anything. The dog barks a couple times, takes a dump. That's what dogs do. You don't have the right. That's where the Karen, this is very Karen, just like um, Cabin in the Woods, or excuse me, uh, just like Cabin Fever. It's a very Karen attitude that you're sharing a space with people. You don't have any right to the space. You're just there. They're there. They live there. They're probably there every day. They're there every day. So you don't, just because you're having your little vacation, that's fine. But you don't have the right to like go start telling other people what to do. They're not really bothering them in any way. They're just being kind of obnoxious. Sure. They're, they're, they're look, they're, the, the perspective is that they're looking down on the, lo- the, the young local ruffians and they should quiet down and they should not be invading their romantic space and that is where it all goes wrong. And I thought it was fascinating when I'm, when I'm looking back at like the reception of this movie, some people who actually, we, we run into this time and time again, we talked about this with some of the early uh, American slasher movies and stuff. There are people who are paid to watch movies who thought that Eden Lake was a uh, an indictment of the locals when to me it's very obvious that it's an indictment of the attitude of the people who are coming in it's an indictment of the couple that they think that they're better than the locals and that is what sets in motion the conflict that never needed to happen to me that's the point of the movie uh, uplifting working class coming of age story. Exactly. I would Dave agree. Gutter. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> um, it, Listen, it, it, it had vibes of uh, the Snowtown murders. Did you guys pick up yes, on that at all? That's a brutal one. Yeah. I'm not familiar. Oh, you should watch that one. It's very oh, long, shit. but it's, yeah. it's I think you know. I'm here to say maybe it was a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yes. Maybe we Call both. Are they they cor- are maybe ignorant. We're all rubes. Correct. They are ignorant, violent rubes. Make no mistake. They're not. They're not great. But you yeah. don't need to enter into a conflict with them over the stupid beach. But I would argue that Brent was really like 
he was the most toxic and by That's by far. Saying. Let me put that out there. By far, and he was, he was high on cocaine, and he's sixteen. He's doing he's doing like key bumps okay. the whole time. I, quick, <laughs> quick take on the on the cocaine, the key bumps. Which there was a scene where he gives that to one of the younger kids and, and makes they, him do. Like just sets his the, head on fire. Yeah, he, That's the, like the, the kid, worst. One of the kids is having second thoughts because most of the kids don't really. It's it's all about Brent. Like he's just the bully of the group, and most of the kids at different times they express that they don't really. They're not down with killing people and stuff. And at one point, Brent gives one of the other little the younger kids like some cocaine. That totally reminded me of like reports like on NPR or whatever about like child soldiers in Africa that oh they give them cocaine and gunpowder and they make you know who knows if that's true or not but I thought that was very interesting that that kind of plays into that like NPR listening fear of the affluent couple oh my god there's child soldiers they're on cocaine to kill us (laughs) oh it's like I I thought that was doing that on purpose I think the big the I think the the biggest character in this movie not the most important, not the best performance. What I'm saying is the biggest character when you want to get to the point of this movie is Adam. Yes. It's the kid that they run into when they're first hiking into Eden Lake. And he's just like sketching and she's a teacher. So she, you know, Jenny comes up to him. And the story arc of Adam is the story arc of this. Is literally his character is the most important to the point that I think James Watkins is trying to make. And goddamn, is that one of the most tragic fucking scenes uh, visually and sound design-wise that I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah. Th- th- this movie made me feel like martyrs. I'm going to say it. Yeah. I liked when they were, the whole time, Brent was taking pictures and filming everything on a phone so that everyone was incriminated, so that everyone had to right. totally be in the plan right. with him the whole time. And uh, it's a social it's like a peer yeah. pressure. Right. Yeah. Thing. And, and that scene that you're talking about, Kevin, with the tire, that's called a necklace. That's something. And again, I think this ties like back the hoodies or like the British British oh, broken Britain. Is that part of that? No, I mean, it, it ties into, I think, the child soldier thing. Um, the necklace is something that is like at least, you know, as far as lore, I don't know how true it is, but there, there's a there's a practice in some third world countries where. You fill a tire with gasoline and you put it around someone's neck. You put it around the torso and you light it on fire. So I thought that that was, again, feeding into some of the, the classism and the racism and stuff that's going like, oh, my God, not, not only do they give the children cocaine, but they do, they do tire necklaces. You know, I, I thought that was yeah, like and, almost and Adam parody. Looked, Adam looked to be of a different ethnicity, too. I, I didn't think about yes, that. Yes, and he was trying to fit in. That's another layer to this. He was not... Um, he seemed to at least come from a lineage that wasn't like purely native British. And he was trying to fit in with the white, the hooligan bullies and like trying to like do what they said. Yes. Juvenile delinquents. Soccer hooligans. I like hooligans a lot. I was wondering what you call them. them. You say Trent, like they call them hoodies. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Some would call this hoodie horror and associate it with movies like them where the, the affluent white people are threatened by, 
kids in hoodies who are so yeah, I love that. who are so brutal and they're going to come to your campsite and put tires on you and set you on fire. Yeah. I'm a hoodie. <laughs> there are there are a lot of there are a lot of very polarizing reviews uh, from from British film reviewers. Yeah, they didn't get it. S- some, yeah, in my some opinion. being like fuck you like you're totally yeah, they they should have gotten it. But some other movies this reminded me of were like uh was Wolf Creek. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh Vacancy I actually like wow. vacancy. I know you do, Dave. That's why. Wow. That's why I, I loved it, it the first time, <laughs> and the second time I was embarrassed uh, that I told people to watch it. <laughs> we've talked about this. Uh, I mean, anyway, the we we talked so about like people. everything building up, everything that happens after the violence really starts. I mean, you have Jenny do some very questionable things. Uh, there is a moment. I think at the map, the map scene, and then when she jumps into the garbage bin, which is oh, I wow. had a really hard time watching. <laughs> yes. I, I, I picture Let's that as just full it's of a poop, poop bin. Call it a poop bin, Kevin. Yep. It's a poop you can bin. Hear me what now? is in the poop bin, Kevin? I'm salivating. Explain um, to the listeners. And salivating not for it's a poop like, bin, but describe what's inside. No, I'm trying not it's to throw vomit. up. You're uh, vomiting. But the map, the map scene, and what Jenny does to one of the particular kids. Is I think the single most questionable and pivotal moment of the movie. It's the it's probably the most debatable point of the movie. That's what they should have started with. That kind of behavior would have nipped this in the bud right away. I would have been a short film. We would have been reviewing it for Salem Horror Fest. I just think it was yeah. amazing oh. that Kelly Riley, the more blood and poop. She had like through the whole movie. She gets more and more blood and poop all over her. She's caked, but she's still kind of girl. She's still so fine. It doesn't matter how much how much blood and poop you put on her. She's still fine as hell the whole time. Oh, it's her eyes. Do you guys think I would be as hot as if you could? Only one way to find out. Like she was. There's so many ways to answer this question that could get us all canceled. Um. Yeah, I think it's a field trip in the ether. <laughs> I think if we That's burned if we burned you and and cut you and maybe threw you in a porta potty, yes, um, we could find out. We could do a photo shoot or something. Well, maybe, perfect. Yeah, vlog. Let's put it in the books. Steve mentions Schedule at one that. point that his uh, plan was to go to Africa for the honeymoon. Yeah. Again, I think that's another hint of the actual perspective of the movie. Um, we haven't th- uh, seen before. I don't think the box cutter in the mouth. Oh, oh that's brutal. Gross. Brutal. Oh, so fast. Like, it's a new new I didn't level of it. I didn't want to bring so it up. Sometimes they new do level more of eyeball scene. Than they even mean to. Uh, uh, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, this is All a right. very violent. It, it is a very brutal. Make no mistake, this is a brutal movie. Well, my my favorite part uh was when they're hiding in the boathouse and the kids come and she has a brilliant idea to escape down through the floorboards of this boathouse into the water. But meanwhile, he's like, they just contained the bleeding. And I don't know anything about anything, but when he's like, oh shit, it's black blood. I'm f- <laughs> fucking bleeding to death. And I was like, oh wow, black blood. That sounds really bad. It sounds really bad. Black blood. So I'm going to look for that myself if ever. But just when you think they have the blood kind of like staying in his body and she's in a good spot, just the thought of going in that dirty like water under there, it looked like a mud puddle and he's just submerged in it with Cabin all these fever. Mur- yeah, the murder by thing, a thousand cuts. Is, really? 
Again, it's it's one bad scene after another, and then a scene of kind of hope, and then immediately, fuck you. You will get no joy out of this film. You had a great scene where there's a foot on a spike, and we have talked about when <gasps> people have to pull their limbs back up off of spikes in the reverse Another way. fucking foot scene, man. Yeah, it's been oh like my four God. weeks in a row, I feel like we've yeah. been just stabbed through the foot. We have been what are, blessed. What's with all the foot shit? <laughs> we have been blessed with a lot of uh, foot spikes and foot injuries and things like that. We have to blessed. pull it back. I'm going to try to not reveal anything about the ending, but the way she realizes and you realize at the same time what's happening at the end. Let's go spoiler. You want to go spoiler? Well, it, there's so much buildup. Like like the scene where Steve goes into Brett's house because the kids have been fucking with them subtly. This is early in the movie, yeah. He see, yeah, sees all their bikes. He goes into the house. That scene is one of the most important in the entire movie. Because again, like I said, this movie is brilliant because there's no flashbacks. You have to pick up on all of the subtle things that Watkins is dropping on you yes. to learn yes. about the characters. And when Steve is going into the house and the dad's not home, he knows the kids are there because of the bikes, there's like holes punching the wall, there's liquor bottles everywhere, there's like so many visual things to pick up on like to, that you need to understand about the world that Steve and Jenny have entered and they're not paying close enough attention to. They're literally just trying to be like, leave us alone, that was our parking spot, that was our tire you popped. Exactly, yes. That yes. whole scene is in, is incredible. And the lack of flashbacks and all of that is is literally probably what makes this movie work as well as it does. Um, but you guys wanted to get into spoilers. All of the things leading up to that, like Diner Lady, we haven't talked about Diner Lady. Great scene, yeah. great scene. And these characters that start coming back. So, like, if you watch this movie one time, you probably wouldn't notice that the kids that cut him off on their bikes are Brett and his little gang. Oh, yeah. Uh, the car that cuts him off is another one of the people that you see later on at the party that Jenny eventually makes it to. It's not her party. She can cry if she wants to. It's her and last then party. You also Thanks. have... <laughs> You also have, like, Diner Lady is the best because that is the, the, the most important scene that shows you the difference between a town being gentrified and the people they perceive as gentrifying them, where she's super nice and they're like, hey, have you seen these kids? This, and she's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then all of a sudden she's like, not our kids, not our town. And her whole demeanor changes. And when you see her later on in this end scene that I think you you guys want to talk about, holy fuck, it's it's demoralizing. That, that's it where sucks I would, your soul out. That's where I would agree with Kat about the like a little bit of A and a little bit of B because that is where you do get some indictment of that like this small town. And we've talked about a, a lot of movies where it's about the evils that people will allow in their little small town. And and I think that is where you get a taste of that. And that's sort of like this, you could transport that to like MAGA America or whatever, like, yeah, okay, that's fine. But you're looking the other way on serious things that are, are hurting people. And like, 
you don't want to look at that. Your kids are fine. It's not your kids. That's, that's what she keeps saying, right? Not my kids. Not my kids. You don't, you don't want to uh, think about that. And when she says, not my kids. Yeah. She's not just talking about her kids. No, she means the, right. She means their kids. You know, I think that ever since, um, you know, the presidency a few years ago, I realized that the rural parts are really dangerous. They're more dangerous than you know. I think it, <laughs> at an all-time high now, Facebook and everything has given these there be these cyber hillbillies that are just gonna they could take over. They have strength in numbers, and I think that's part of I don't know. I think that's no, part of what. No, that's legit. I think I think that idea is part of what this movie is criticizing. That we have that idea because we don't live there. And we don't really know anything about it. And we think we're better than them because we're right. liberal and we voted for Obama and we uh, don't like Donald Trump and we're very progressive and we have all the right social attitudes. And so we think that, oh, you go to the woods, these hillbillies will kill you. They're all ignorant right. bloodsuckers. They don't know anything. Like, isn't that part of what is gripping the, the, this country now is that hey, kind of divide? Hey, I thought it was better when they just killed people and didn't vote. Um, God, <laughs> guys, I'm I'm kind of living this right now. All right, you're mm -hmm. in the South. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I just want to say that if I could have voted for Obama a third time, <laughs> I would have. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm I don't know where I am because like I want to be upper class, but I am lower class. So I'd I don't know which rich. side I'm on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. It's right, second you give right, me a chance to right. like win the lottery or have a hit song, I'm gone. Yeah. Like bye. I think but that's whenever the like I've said before. Whenever this podcast turns into a cash cow, <laughs> fuck y'all. I'm out of here. I'm going up to fucking high class living. I'm gonna buy a condo. But I don't even care. But still, you'll but always then, be a little bit Freiburg fair. Even though you could be in Hollywood, <laughs> you'll have that in your blood, and I don't know exactly. if we can escape it. I'm from it. Maine. Exactly. I don't have an accent. I have a New Hampshire accent, as you guys keep pointing out to me. I don't know what that means, but I think that's a great distillation of this movie. That that conflict mm -hmm. right there, that kind mm -hmm. of like that tension between those two worlds. To me, that's what this is about. And I don't think we need. I don't think we need to like say the spoiler, but there is a reveal that is revealed in this movie only by the names on dog food dishes. And it's right. so good. Oh. I love that moment. I hated that moment. Yeah, it's a very claustrophobic little ending. Boof. All right, let me out of here. Okay. Good enough. <laughs> Kevin, we all good on facts? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, this is not a movie that needs... Uh, it's not one that's appropriate for facts. I did want to ask you guys if maybe you wanted to try uh, an end-of-episode exercise with me. Sure. Ooh, sounds fun. So I was home last weekend, and I was out shopping with Nora, and uh, we found a book of Mad Libs that are all about horror movies. <laughs> okay. So like I wanted to know if maybe you guys wanted to end each episode until I'm done with this book of Mad Libs uh, by doing one. Let's do it. I'm down. Um, mm -hmm. I would like yes. to do a, a, a quick review. Okay. And just make sure that everyone uh, understands what a noun is. Mm. <laughs> can't can't promise you. What a verb I've been is. Concentrate on pronouns. People, places, things is the noun. Okay. Yeah. I know that one. Um, okay. A verb. 
uh, describing an action. An action. It's an action. Yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Great. Cat, don't um, don't let him patronize an, an to you like adjective? this. It's embarrassing. Adjective. Describing no, a noun. We know. I yeah, think we, you're we doing know this for what me, the Kevin. I know. Are. I know. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I li- oh, no, I'm just. I'm refreshing. I want to be. A, I've sprung this on you. I'm trying to We're not to be playing polite. chess here. Just <laughs> give right, us so ready, the ready, What is this, ready, Eden ready. Lake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about to chase you all on my bike. <laughs> Please. Uh, uh, I don't know how we want to do this. Who wants to go first? Me. All right. I need a plural noun. Um, ghouls. Great. I need a. Oh, so is this going to be Trent next? Yeah, I'll go next. Mm-hmm. I need a verb ending in ing. Verb ending in ing. Killing. Ooh. Cat. I need a noun. Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? We don't know. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Dave, I need another noun. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Trent, I need a plural noun. A plural noun. Oh my goodness. Um plural noun. Let's um let's go plural noun. Um I'll 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 say uh, knives. Knives. Thank you. Okay, cat. I need a part of the body. Oh yeah. <gasps> Arm. Oh, yes. come on. All the parts. Means- of the- I'm not gonna go dirty. I'm not gonna go <laughs> dirty with this. <laughs> I, I already told cat that this, this first one could definitely go dirty. Uh, Dave, I need a noun. Wiener. <laughs> See, if we had done double wiener, it wouldn't have worked out. <laughs> Trent, I need an adjective. Um, sticky. <laughs> um, okay, cat, uh, I need a, another part of the body. <laughs> wiener. <laughs> All right, Dave, a verb ending in ing. Um... Jiggling. <laughs> Trent, a noun. Just another noun? Yep. I don't know any of the rules. Um, I'll say gun. Okay. Uh, Dave, another noun. Is it my what? turn? What am I? Chopped liver? Oh, wait. Oh, oh sorry. Cat. Another noun. Chopped liver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This could not be going better. Dave, a part of the body. Spleen. Trent, an adverb. Wow. Um, lustily. Wow. Cat, you get to end it with another part of the body, but plural. Wieners. Are we ready for our first horror Mad Lib? I don't think Here so. Comes a reveal. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Hold on. <clears throat> let me get my <clears throat> let me get my storyteller voice ready. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was home alone and scared out of my ghouls. I could hear the wind killing, and off in the distance, a cat was howling. I crossed the room, locked the dog, and climbed into bed, pulling the knives over my arm. Then it happened. <laughs> I could hear a wiener <laughs> walking up the sticky stairs. My wiener started to chatter, and my knees were jiggling. The gun, the gun was thrust open, and there was a huge chopped liver with hair all over his spleen. It was my father. Hi, we're home, he said lustily. Hope you weren't afraid of staying home alone. No, I said, lying through my wieners. That is the scariest story I've ever heard in my okay. life. That is so scary. I think the, the next step is we have to make a short film based on a, a horror Mad Lib Ooh, that we do on the show. Spleen in a wiener, like going up the sticky stairs, and it's your dad. That's oh, wild. I just, I just want everyone to know this was my daughter's idea. That's we great. saw That's the Mad Lib at it. Bull Moose. I bought it, and then she said, "You should ask the podcast to do one each night." I love I it. Can't Thank wait for you, next Nora. That's yeah, my favorite new segment, and and then the best one we'll make a a, a, a short film on I, based on the Madeline. Not sure we'll top that. Based one. on the viewers' <laughs> votes. Thank you.